Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. How's everyone doing? Who enjoyed FebFast? I gotta be honest, I struggled with FebFast this year. The dirty bird was calling me nearly every day. I, I, I just can't believe on the other side of Merbeen, I could smell KFC. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh. and, and come on, like FebFast is not a thing about us, what, that going without food is getting us closer to God. It's actually taking authority over an aspect of our life and then putting the Lordship of God uh, as the priority, even above food. Like, and I know there's some Italians in the house, and you go, that's a big call. That's like a bigger call. <laughs> he did the handle. Um, but uh, I, I just want to let you know, like, I struggled with it this year. And I, I, you know, I wanted to really delve into it a little bit harder than what I did. And I, and I struggled with it. So, but do you know what? Number one, you don't get down on yourself. This is a journey. You know, like in any aspect of this, if you, if you started off, if you just went without one meal and, and you focused on God, fantastic. That is awesome. But I want to tell you that God's calling us, because in Scripture, it, it doesn't say, you know, if you fast. It says when you fast. It's not part of our culture nowadays. If you look at science at the moment and the medical fraternal, they're starting to realize the incredible benefits from fasting. Number one, your body rests. Do you know that 80% of your energy goes in digesting food? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Have you ever eaten food really late at night and then you've tossed and turned, you know, like that late night pizza, Italiano, you know, (laughs) that late night spaghetti. Um, You know, your body's digesting and it takes a lot of energy to digest. So when we fast, we actually, that energy then immediately goes into healing and, and, and actually reactivating stem cells in our body so our body can heal. They're amazed how, like, there's one scientist that I, I, I listened to recently, and he said that old adage that says, physician, heal thyself. He said, when you do this, it's body, heal thyself. He goes, how is it in our bodies? It isn't evolution amazing that this is what happens when we go without food. Our body rests and it recovers, it rejuvenates. You can look younger. It's true. Scar tissue can dissolve by fasting. So fasting has benefits to you. So I want to just, just um, encourage you throughout the year, um, continue to do a fast. Even if you just do an intermittent fast during the day, if you um, cut your eating period down to maybe four hours of the day. So you eat between maybe um, two and six o'clock or if you work during those times. Can I just throw in a little bit more science here? Um, after six o'clock, our pancreas needs to shut down and stop, you know, um, digesting and dissolving and producing um, insulin and everything like that. And who's late at night and they're like, I need that, you know, that hot chocolate, I need those bickies. I, you know, your pancreas needs a rest, you know. <laughs> You're someone in our family that has the religious hot chocolate every night. <laughs> She just gave herself away. She goes, but it's not food. 
I, I for one, am not going to argue with her. You know, like, hey, of course it's not food. It's the fruit of the cacao and the fruit of the cow. <laughs> I love that scripture Joel brought out. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? And a lot of people in the world today would say, yeah, that mongrel religion, it expects this of us and it expects that of us. But that word religion is any sort of model or process that you are living your life by. It's not are you burned out on living by the, what you think is the way that the way, the life should be lived. Then Jesus said, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. This is this whole thing about what God's speaking to us this year, foundations of rest, foundations of rest. Um, I, everything that I'm looking at at the moment, God's just speaking to me about this thing of rest. So I want to share a little bit more with you about that today because there is just so much profound information in the Word of God. It all begins in the beginning. In the beginning, God created, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And then the earth was or became void and the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the waters. You know, and then... He goes right through it. You know, he, he create, said, let there be light. Then he created, then he pulled out the firmament from the, in between the waters. And then he caused um, plants to come forth. He caused sea creatures and birds and animals to come forth. Then he formed man out of the dust of the earth. He took dirt and formed him, created him, designed him. It's incredible. I love science. Physics is where, where I just went, bang, there is a God. There is way too much design and order in this. There's mathematically, there is just so much design and scientists are now going, isn't this incredible, the design that is in our bodies, you know, that, that this is the way it is. It can, when you fast, it can heal you. Amazing. You know, anyway, sorry. Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Is that new to anyone? Has anyone not heard that before? No, we've heard that before. So on the seventh day, God rested. Why did he rest? Is, did God run out of energy? Was he worn out? Was he tired? Was, did he start thinking like, oh, I put all those billions of stars out there and they're not even going to have a Hubble telescope for like another 6,000 years to be able to see some of these things and appreciate them. And microscopes, oh, the Dutch aren't going to be able to refine those lenses until, I don't know, what was it, the 1300s or something, 1200s? They're not going to have good mic. They're not even going to appreciate the, the molecular level, let alone the sub-molecular level of everything that I've created. I need a break, I need, I'm worn out. Oh, wow. No, that's not how it was at all. God was not worn out. God was not tired. The, the word God rested there is a very specific and special word. It's only used a couple of times throughout the whole of Scripture. But in the essence of that word is that God breathed in. He took a deep breath. On the seventh day, you think about it for six days, he spoke the word of creation. Jesus is the word, but he spoke 
and everything became, let there be light, and there was light. Let firmament come forth. Let the earth come forth. And it came forth. Let the sun and the stars and the, the celestial beings come. Boom. And they, and they were there. Let the, let the earth bring forth all types of living plants. And he spoke out. Spoke out. What happens when you speak? Oh, giving you a hint. You breathe out. You, you, you can't talk in and do it. You, you can talk in and do it, but it sounds really weird. No one does that. Or if you do that... You might look a bit weird. Walking around. Hey, how are you doing? It's not the way we do it, is it? We breathe out. It's a lot more pleasant. But then on the seventh day, he breathed in. And he rested from his work. But he actually sat back and appreciated everything and saw how wonderful it was and breathed it in and just took it all in. It wasn't that he wasn't mindful of it because he was. Because after every day, it is good. It is good. It is good, except when it came to mankind. And then he said, it is not good for anyone to be alone. They need partnership. We need community. We need others to carry the load. And you might be thinking that right at the moment that you're, I don't know, you, you don't have much to offer. Um, I, I want to tell you that God made you specifically. There is no one else like you. There is no one else that's ever been, mate, Zildjian. You are one of a kind, mate. That goes without saying. But I'm on a take. <laughs> you are one of a kind, mate. Like, and the, each one of us is made uniquely with gifts, talents, hard wirings, attitudes, makeup, something to bring to community that God absolutely adores. Carol just brought it out then. You know, singing over us. And we watched a movie during the week called um, Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood about Frank Rogers? Is that Fred Rogers? Yeah. Mr. Rogers. I'd only ever watched one episode of this show in my life. Does anyone know what I'm talking about, the, the show? All the old people, well, a few of the old people. It was an American show. It changed American culture. He changed American behaviour. He brought um, love back into a, into a time when there was no love. He brought consideration and kindness. He spoke about how being, you know, taking moments to appreciate things. And there's this story, the story is a, a fictional story, but it, it's about this journalist who spends time with him. But this journalist has had trouble with his father and there's a bad relationship break. But this journalist has now become a father and he's now got his own child. And Mr. Rogers is talking to him about, you know, focusing on individuals and, and appreciating people. And, and at one point, this guy's got his little boy. And I, when I watched this show... When I was a teenager, I was an early, in my early teens and I watched it and this guy comes in through the door. It's not like play school where it's really cool. Comes in through this door and he starts singing, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day for a neighbor. Won't you be mine? And it finishes up, will you be my neighbor? And he sits down, changes his shoes and says, hello, neighbor. It's interesting that he uses that term because Jesus said, love your neighbor. And then they asked, who is my neighbour? And then he tells a story about people who weren't neighbours, but showed neighbourly love to one another. So this guy is um, looking at his child, and he starts singing one of these weird songs that Mr Rogers wrote on this show. 
And the song was, you are beautiful. You are perfect just the way you are. I love you. You have so much potential. And this dad is singing it over his child. I can tell you now, if we had more dads and mums that spoke into the potential of their kids and sang over the potential of their kids and just told them how much they are valued for their worth, they are not just valuable, they are worthy, it would just release something in us that would make it easier to connect with our Father in heaven. But the pattern of this world just tears us away from that, that harmony and that connection with heaven. Now, I want to tell you what Joel just said in communion is so true. Um, Jesus came to win the victory over hell and death, came to win the victory over the punishment of sin. That's available to anybody on the planet right down through the eons of time and right for as long as the age extends for. And um, that's available to us now, but it's not just, there was this perspective for a long time that Jesus came so that when I leave this earth, I get to go to heaven. And we now realize, no, 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 it's more than that. It's while I'm on this earth, I get to bring heaven to earth. I get to be a conduit and an ambassador of heaven to earth. So that means that we've got, actually got a call on our life um, and there's some things that we must do and resting is one of them. So God rested on the seventh day. My message today is called Fight to Enter Rest. Sounds like it's a bit of a weird thing to say, fight to enter rest, but I want to coin a phrase from a movie that I've, uh, I watched a little while ago, Savis Pacum Parabellum. That's Latin. I've said it wrong. Doesn't matter. But it says, if you desire peace, prepare for war. It was said by um, Flavius Publius in the 4th century. Um, Bonaparte built his whole thing on this. And he, he actually said, if you want war, then um, make your enemies think that you want peace. He turned it right around. And that's how he went in and, and conquered them. But if you want peace in your life, prepare for war. Now, you might think, I don't want war in my life. I'm here to tell you right now, Open war is on you now. There is a pattern of this world. There are principalities and powers at work that are trying to disconnect you from the potential of heaven, disconnect you from the openness and the availability that everything that heaven has, everything that Jesus acquired for us and the victory that he gave us, it's trying to tear us away from it. And one of the keys is for us to rest in what God has done. Jesus said in Matthew 5, now Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7, you thought since 2019 finished, that's it, Stephen's finally going to stop with this Matthew 5, 6 and 7 stuff. Nah, it's going to be going on for a long time. Jesus is telling them all about, he's, he's, he's opening up the commandments to them and he's teaching them profound things and they're just like going, wow. So that means that we, we don't have to follow the commandments anymore. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, he goes, don't suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the scriptures. 
either God's law or anything the prophets say. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. That word complete is an incredible word in the Greek. It means I'm here to satisfy, to execute, to verify, um, to fill, to, to fully preach, to fill you up and make you fat with the goodness of it. Straight after fasting, we talk about being filled up and made fat with the fullness of it. So God's here, Jesus is here saying, I'm here to fulfill the law, to complete it. I'm going to put it all together, pull it all together in its vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the earth under your feet. Long after the stars burn out, long after the earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. Trivialize even the smallest part, the smallest item in God's law, and you will only have trivialized yourself. See, God's word, God's law is here for us to have a good life. The first four commandments are all how we have a good relationship with God. From five onwards, it's how we have good relationship with one another. It's about the good life. Trivialize even the smallest part and you trivialize yourself. Jesus actually says that if you even set aside any part of God's word, this is what it's saying in the NIV, it says you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But if you teach this, the fullness of it, you'll be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Here it says, um, but take it seriously, show the way for others and you will find honour in the kingdom of heaven. Now we know what most of the commandments are. Has anyone memorised them? Honour the Lord your God. Uh, Don't have any other idols. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Keep the Sabbath, honour your parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness. What's the next one? Um, Don't steal. Well, that's a big one. (laughs) So none of us are actually going to take opportunity to lie. Oh, who can I lie to today? Who can I steal off today? Has anyone accidentally murdered anyone or on purpose during the week? No, these are all ones that we, we go, yes, they're important. Because to be honest, everything that's in the, in the commandments, our community holds as valuable. They actually value all these principles that are in, and, and we think, oh, we don't need the Bible nowadays. We've, got, we've evolved to the point where, you know, we know what's right and wrong. No, everything is based on the Word of God. It's all there. So do you think that we should trivialize the Sabbath? You know, murdering's still pretty well up there, isn't it? You know, adultery's pretty well up there. You don't want to do these things because there are, there are, there's actually a... Um, a turnaround. There's a, there's a payment to be made. There's fruit that comes from all this stuff. I'm telling you now, there's fruit that comes from when we don't rest, when we don't do things. So I want to read out of Hebrews today. Now, Hebrews is a, um, a letter that is just so profound. It, it's talking to the early Christians and it's telling them, don't slip back into your old religious behaviors. Don't, because of persecution or because of your lifestyle and your demands of everything, don't slip back into that old style of living that you think is going to work for you. And it sound like anybody today? 
It's exactly what we're like as well. So it interprets the Old Testament. It explains like what the Hebrew symbolism for those practices were. And it prepared, shows that all those symbolisms prepared for the, for the coming of Jesus, pointed to Jesus. They only had power in pointing to Jesus. All this symbolism, all these rituals, all these practices only pointed to Jesus. That's the only power they had. Everything came in Jesus and was fulfilled in Jesus. And then um, it stresses that Jesus is above every other angel, above Moses, Joshua, the priests, every other sacrifice. He's the highest. He's in the order of Melchizedek. And that's a really wild subject to take up. But in chapter 11 talks about um, faith and the faith chapter. Now faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the subject. Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Oh, it is just a great book to read. So, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and Hebrews this year. Now, there's a number of things in Scripture that we're repeatedly told, repeatedly told to do. We sang one of them this morning Awake my soul and sing. It says, Wake, wake up. It's, it's so easy to just get lulled into a pattern of behavior and lulled into a system, lulled into a, a process, a, a day, you know, you get up, you make your coffee, you go to work, you work hard, you come home, you, you know, you pat the dog, you feed the cat, you kiss your wife, you go to bed, you get up, you make your coffee, you go to work, you come home, you kiss your dog, you kick your cat, you pat your wife, you know, um, go to bed... We get lulled into, no, but scripture says awake, be awake, be alert, be sober-minded, be, you know, take, don't just take, rejoice, this is the day the Lord has made, rejoice, that's another one, rejoice, rejoice, And, and Paul says, and again I say, rejoice, now rejoice, that word there is actually an atmosphere of a life. It's an atmosphere of greeting in your life that when you meet somebody, you pass on this atmosphere of rejoicing about life. Have you ever been around people that all of a sudden you, you meet with them and you like get excited and you, you're like, I'm getting a different perspective of life and I, I'm really enjoying it. Instead of them sucking life out of you, they inject life into you and you go away going, I, can, I feel really good. Then you get at some other people, you get into their... It's like you stepped into a, you know, another dimension and all the air sucked out of the room and it's so gloomy and dark and there's no hope and there's no future. And you're like, oh, we're all doomed. We're all, nothing's going to work. It's all going downhill. Rejoice. 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 And there's another one. Listen. Listen. Jesus said it so many times. He said, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Listen, listen, listen. Hebrews 3, 7 to 8 says, So, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear, if you listen, hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the times of testing in the wilderness. See, God told them to go and take the land of Canaan. He took them out of, out of Egypt to worship him in the desert. And then he says, I'm taking you beyond this now. I'm taking you to a land that I gave to Abraham, that I, gave, that I foretold that you were going to have this land. And they said, no, nah, can't do it. Ten of them came back, can't do it. Big giants, big cities, can't do it. Two of them came back and said, it's ready. 
We can do it. We can take it. So God had to deal with a whole generation. And during, because of their disobedience, because they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to the voice of God, they missed out on the opportunity for that day. Hebrews 3 goes on to say, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That word sinful means you're not able to see the mark or hit it. It's not just evil. It's not just wickedness. It's not just bad behavior. It's missing the mark of life. See to it that no one misses the mark for their life. Don't try and copy someone else's life. Don't try and live out your existence by doing what others do. Find out what God wants you to do. Find out what God has put you here for. Then you'll find fulfillment in that. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That word deceitfulness there means sin's lie, it's con. Um, that you get convinced that there's no other way of doing life. I'm telling you that there is a con, there is a deceitfulness in the pattern of this world that the principalities and powers and dark forces that are at work that are telling us, no, we must be busy. If you're not busy, you're lazy. It is out there. It is in, uh, ingrained in every part of society. And I'm telling you that it is wrong. It is actually causing us to miss the mark for what God wants for us in life. Because we need to actually come away and spend time with God so that we can breathe in, see how good things are, get a fresh perspective, get an entrepreneurial impartation, get a vision, get a dream, get an answer for a relationship, for a financial situation, for, for a health issue in our life, from the father of life. But because we're rushing around, trying to do stuff and trying to be stuff, that we're, we're getting conned by the pattern of this world. But it goes on to say in Hebrews, in chapter 4, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, say promise... It's a promise. This is a promise from God that you can enter his rest. It still stands. This promise still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short, miss the mark, not, not hitting it. And it goes on to say there remains in chapter 4, uh, 9 and 10, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Now, in the English, that just sounds like, yeah, yeah, if we enter God's rest, then we rest from our work. So I've got to take a day off. Nah, it's so much more deeper than that. Do you want some depth? Okay, there's four of you here. That were, who wants to know the depths of what God has for you? It's not about just trying to take a day off or some time off to get a breather from your life. There, God is calling us into a different lifestyle, into a different way of thinking. Who wants some depth in their life? Who wants to hear it today? Good, because I love this. The word God's rest. So for anyone who enters God's rest, that word means repose. To lay down, it is a place of abode of living. It's a household. It's even better than that. It's probably a mansion. It's probably the best resort you've ever seen in your life. It's a place where we are at rest even when we work. 
So for those that enter God's rest, and this is in a place where, God, you've got it. As I'm working, my boss doesn't provide. You're my provider. That even though I go to the doctor and I might need some medication, God, you're my healer. It's in this place, in this abode of laying down and just going, God, I'm flat out at work, but you've got this. It's being at rest during the six days of labour where we are. Then those that enter God's abode, his rest, even get to rest from their work. Anyone who enters that abode, that place, that living lifestyle of rest, also rests from their work, just as God did from his. That word rest from their work means to desist, to cease, to restrain from work. And it's not just about having a day off and then getting some gardening done or getting the things done around the house. It's actually when you live in this place of rest, you'll be hearing from God while you're working. You'll be, you'll be communicating with God so that you are able to take a day off that honours God where you can breathe in. And just focus on the goodness like he did when he stood back and just went, everything's good. The man's got his wife. The animals are all doing what they need to do. The plants are all doing well. Even the farthest, you know, galaxies away that they're not going to see for so long. Everything is in balance. And if you start looking at the mathematical genius of God, that everything is held in place, we are in... Our earth rotates around the sun because of those furthest galaxies and the gravitational pulls that are on anything. It is like the biggest complex puzzle you could ever work out and God just spoke it into being. Blows my mind. So if God can keep the whole universe from smashing into each other, do you think that he can actually organise your steps? Do you think that he can actually answer your request? Do you think that he can actually move in your life and meet your needs? My God shall supply, shall supply all my needs according to his riches, not poverty, riches in Christ Jesus. So if we enter into this place of rest in God, this lifestyle of rest. And I'm telling you, we have to fight for this. Because it goes on to say in in 4.11 of Hebrews, let us therefore make every effort. Say every every effort. That sounds like a lot of hard work, doesn't it? No, it's just being attuned. It's being switched on. It's being realizing when you're walking on that line that something grabs your attention. You go, no, Be alert, sober-minded. Oh, I was getting distracted by that. I'm back on it. God, you've got this. You've got this. Oh, no, but this has gone wrong. What am I going to do? No, not what am I going to do. How's God going to prove himself in this? How's God going to turn this around? Start walking in that. And when you have this rest that we enter into, and there's so much more I want to do on it, talk about this, but I'm running out of time. To make effort means to be prompt to be earnest, to respond quickly, to be diligent, to labour and to study. So much of us are running through life, you know, studying how we can be better managers, do business better, to how to connect with things. But how many of us are studying um, on how we can rest? We think we know what rest is. We don't know what rest is. 
We know what busy is. We know what work is. We think that work is the ab- oh, sorry, rest is the absence of work. But no, nor is peace just the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of God, even in conflict. And rest is the presence of God and the, and the confidence in God, even though we are at work. Enter that rest. Let us make every effort to fight to enter that rest so that no one will perish. I tell you now, there are people perishing because they are working flat out. They say, I've got no choice. I've got to work 24-7. I've, I, I've got people that need me. And I'm mindful. We have business owners in this building right now that they, they are on call all the time. And I don't know how they're going to do it. But I know that God is calling us to a place where we do not perish, that we do not waste away, but we actually enter into his rest. And you, you might be asking me, Steve, then, well, how am I going to do it? I don't know. This is where you need to study. You need to be diligent. You need to make every endeavor to enter it. Because it goes on to say, no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. That word disobedience is apatheia. It means disbelief. You're unpersuadable and you're unconvincible. There's no way I can do it, Steve. I don't know what you're saying here, but there's no way that it can happen. I can't take that day off. And I'm like, it's not about that day off. It's about being in rest with God in this lifestyle of harmony with heaven. See, when heaven and earth come in contact, there's harmony, there's balance, there's beauty there. Do you think that there's probably a little bit of ingenuity there? There's some answers there. There's some, there's some impartation from the heart of God to say, this is how you can do it. I want to just open up the potential here this morning and say, God can speak into your life if you enter into his rest. God can answer your request when you enter into his rest. God is able to blow that fog of confusion and that stuff that's been attached to your life totally away if you enter into his rest. God's calling us to come into the rest. Don't be unconvinced. Don't be unpersuaded. God, with God, all things are possible. So when, when Gabriel came to Mary and said, blessed are you above all women because you're about to bear the Messiah. She goes, how can this happen? I haven't even been with a guy. And, and he said, with God, all things are possible. That word there, with God, actually means the spoken word, the rhema word of God, when it comes, all things are possible. So when you get a word from God and you say, let it be with me, God, you're getting a word here today from God. It's not from me. I'm not trying to convince you of anything, but I am. But I'm not, but, but I am. That if you enter into this rest with God, with this word, that God, this rest, the promise of it is available to us today. And if we enter into the God's rest, then we can rest from our work as well. There's a fullness in this. While we're just in this moment, if, if you're feeling away from God at the moment, or maybe you've, you've never made that statement in your life to make Jesus Lord of your life. Because the Word of God says if we believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that, that God sent Jesus to redeem us, and we confess with our mouth that He is Lord. It says we are saved. We start that process of wholeness in our life. 
the way that God meant us to be whole. It says we're, we're saved. Not just saved from hell, but we're saved for life, saved for freedom, saved for fullness of life, abundant life. And I've coined a phrase, I got it off of Erwin McManus, but it's really simple. If you feel away from God at the moment, just recommit your life to Him. Because there's sometimes I've just grabbed hold of my life again and I try to start doing things myself and I've got to keep coming back and say, Jesus, You're my Lord. I give You my life. This morning, if you need to say that again, just to, to bring that realignment in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul, just say, Jesus, I give You my life. I give You my life. It's something we need to do on a daily basis. Just resubmit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I give you my life. It's not the only conversation that we have with Jesus, but it's a good place to start. It's not the only prayer that we pray in our journey of life, but it's a good place to start. Father, I thank you that you have forgiven our sins because of Jesus. I thank you that you have given us a way to live through Jesus. And I thank you for the call of your spirit to enter into rest. I speak peace and rest over everybody in earshot. Out in the crace, crash, 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 here in the auditorium, I speak it over the kids and the leaders up in wreck as well. Peace and rest in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.